Good. Amen. As you remain standing to read God's word again, I want to thank all of you for being here. Do not take it for granted as you heard me reference in the prayer. Um, it is a wonderful thing to see so many of you that are worshiping. We were here at 8 o'clock and so many were here and just on yesterday I was reading and studying and my heart was made sad. Brother Jay Whitmire, who's a historian, and you can identify with this. We are living in an age where fewer and fewer people are recognizing the importance of worship. Amen. This country has been on a steady decline. And George Bonner said something that is so profound that everybody who loves the Lord should pay attention. He says, it is falling so quickly unlike anything we've ever seen. And he said something that as I read this, Jay, I had to put it down and pray. He says, I feel for the next generation of ministers and preachers and others because 90% of Americans, almost 80 to 90% in the next 10 years will not identify or go to nobody's church. Amen. And, and what he said is, unfortunately, it looks like the enemy is winning because people are giving up. But then I say, hold on. What looks to be lost is not lost. I'll share this and I get into the word. One of my favorite symbols is the Chinese symbol for crisis. The Chinese, the Asian symbol for crisis is a combination of danger plus opportunity. And what it says is that every time you're in trouble, look at it as an opportunity. So I told the Lord, that's just an opportunity for us to go out and win souls for Christ. Amen. And so to all of you, put the cameras on the audience. To all of you, give a hand of praise to all the internet audience. All it, you are in the balcony, wherever you are. It's, we, are, we are so grateful that you are here. As we remain standing to hear God's word for this special Sunday, which is called Pentecost Sunday, which represents the birth date of the New Testament church, God has invited us to go to the book of Acts, the second chapter, that familiar passage of scripture, verses 1 through verse 4 the New King James. Now let me preface this by saying this is not your typical ordinary Pentecost message. God challenged me some months ago, Brother Bill. God says so many times during holiday messages, people come and they hear the same thing. This year, God just says, kind of challenge us. So last week was Mother's Day. We preached about single mothers. This Sunday is Pentecost. God says, emphasize the why and not the what. And I says, I've got you, Lord. He says, what happened was great and theatrical and awesome, but why it happened is more important than what happened. You'll catch it in the message. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, somebody say one accord, in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the church said, Amen. Subject is lifted from that first clause of the first verse. And it simply says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Catch the hand of someone that is standing next to you. <clears throat> As I said, you go with us in this message. It's, it's, it was intended to inform you, not to incite you. But you can get excited when you are informed. You catch it. Amen. Because nothing moves you like the word. Amen. Here's the subject. Squeeze those hands Look at someone next to you and simply say to them, the Pentecost experience. Now hold on to those hands and say, we need it. Amen. The Pentecost experience. God knows <laughs> we need it. God knows in 2018, we need it. Listen. It is and can be and has been said that the Bible, the wonderful Bible, is an inspired book that tells the story of experiences of humanity, experiences of mankind as traveled in time through life's unpredictable journey. In other words, you can view the Bible as mankind experiences with God through time on this unpredictable journey called life. And there are many experiences in the Bible. I want to share with you as we get to set up this message, seven experiences that we should take note of in the wonderful course called Progress from, of Redemption. One of my late professors, Dr. Hatch, did such a masterful job in sharing these experiences. I've never seen the Bible come more real, and I grew up in the church, than to sit and to hear somebody put it in a way that follows the experiences of mankind. Let's attempt to share a few of them in the next few moments we have. This is not a seven-week course. I've got 20-plus minutes to, to kind of make this clear to you because I know after a while what y'all do. Amen. Amen. Somebody. First experience that comes to mind is the Garden of Eden experience. It was a place where it all began, a place where man thrived, and yes, a place where man fell. It also represents not just 
the beginning of mankind, but the fall of mankind. You know the story. I don't have to explain it to you. But from the garden to the next experience, a lot happened, including the flood and others. So the next experience that I want to just throw out and highlight, and we will kind of go through this more Tuesday night, is the Egyptian experience. The Egyptian experience was a necessary experience, a place of 400 years of bondage that God allowed his people to be in bondage for 400 years. But God had a purpose for the bondage. It prepared them to one day become a great nation, to become a mighty nation. Prior to Egypt, they had no sense of order. They had no sense of academic ability to even record their history in a systematic way. But the Egyptians, which were the dominant power of that day, both socially, militarily, and academically, taught them how to read. God had a purpose for the bondage. In fact, only God could raise up somebody in Pharaoh's house, educated by Pharaoh's daughter, to go on to write the first five books of the Bible. God raised a boy, a baby named Moses. Moses became a man, and the Bible says one day he chose rather to suffer the afflictions of the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. God said to Moses, Moses, leave Egypt and do what I've called you to do. That's the, Egypt, the Egyptian experience, which uh, I've amended even since this morning and included the wilderness in there. Having left Egypt, God took them through the wilderness for 40 years. You would think after 400 years of bondage that they would be ready for the promised land. But just because you are free doesn't mean that you are able to handle the next level of blessings that God has for you. A whole lot of folk don't even know what God is up to. So God says, I've set you free, but everybody who's free ain't ready. And so I need a wilderness experience to purge out those who are not ready for the promised land. <laughs> ah, you may have been ready to leave Egypt, but you're not ready for the promised land. Listen to this quickly. You may be ready not to do what you've been in bondage doing, but you're not ready for the blessings that God has for you on the next level. So God had to purge them all out, including Moses. And out of millions of people who left Egypt, only two made it to the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. The others that went to the promised land were all wilderness babies. They were born in the wilderness. And then quickly, the third experience comes to mind is what I am calling the royal experience, a time used by God to bless his people in the promised land. The royal experience, a time of great prophets and kings, the time of Samuel, the time of David, time of Solomon, uh, the royal experience, time of King Hezekiah, royal experience, not only 
great kings, but even evil kings such as Ahab. But, but God used that time to shape a nation and develop a hierarchy of governance so that Israel would be able to understand that man may lead you, but God is in charge. And so God raised up his own king, got David from the sheep pasture, told Israel, you had an experiment with Saul. You wanted somebody tall, dark, and handsome, but I chose somebody who's faithful. I'd rather have somebody who loves me with all of their hearts, not perfect, but obedient and faithful. And so I chose David. You chose Saul. God used that as an experience to teach us about mankind and about humanity. Next experience comes to mind in the Old Testament, which is the fourth experience, is what is known as the Babylonian experience. So God delivered you from Egypt. God, uh, you survived the wilderness. You entered into the royal experience in which you are led by kings and prophets. But somehow everyone cannot stand to be blessed. There are some folk who don't know what to do with blessings. Preach Pastor Jackson. It goes to their head. There, there are some folk that get so full of themselves, they forget the God of their deliverance. Some folk, when God gives them houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant, when God knocks down the walls of Jericho, and all you've got to do is march and shout, when God conquers your enemies, and all you've got to do is stand still, See the salvation of the Lord. You would think that you would never be disobedient. You would think that there would never be apostasy, which is backbiting and going back on the Lord. But it happened, apostasy, backsliding. It happened with Israel so bad uh, that God was so outdone with them. God raised up a prophet or prophets to be able to tell them how disgusted he was. God called them, these are God's words in quotation, you are whoring under every green tree and you have become like backsliding heifers. That's what God said to them, look what I've done for you. I brought you out of Egypt. I helped you survive the wilderness. I gave you kings. Uh, I defeated enemies. When the enemy came upon you like a flood, I lifted up a standard against your enemies. And yet you have backslidden on me. So God entered into another kind of experience, which was the Babylonian experience, which was 70 years of captivity so that we and they could learn a harsh lesson as it relates to the consequences of disobedience and apostasy. God says, I want this generation to know and generations to come that when you disobey me, there will be consequences you will have to go through for your disobedience. Seventy years. They could not even worship right. They wrote the Psalms in Psalm 137. How can we sing God's song in a strange land? 
That is the fourth experience. And then as we quickly transition to the New Testament, three experiences come to mind. So I'm sharing seven, four I've already shared. Now, the next three are New Testament experience, and uh, these experiences help shape the powerful legacy of the first century church, first century Christianity. The first experience that comes to mind is what we would call, quote, the miracle tour experience in which God sends Jesus the earth. And note, Jesus lived on earth for 33 years, but only ministered for three years. That's a lesson to everybody who want to be a preacher on the first week and have a church the second week. Say that again. That's, that's a lesson for everybody that God saved one week and the next week they want to be in charge. Jesus was the incarnation of God himself in the second person of the triune God. But yet for 30 years of his ministry, he was not even heard from other than going to Jerusalem with his mother and doing those things. Jesus was content with God's calendar. Can I say that again? Because I, I must confess, Chip, as a young preacher, there have been times when I wasn't so content. And you know you've been in the meetings in which my daddy had to shut me up and shut me down and say, boy, you got to sit down and learn before you do. Because for 30 years, Jesus was quiet. And for three years, he ministered. Why? It's hard to minister about life when you have not experienced it. Come on, somebody. So for 30 years, Jesus walked around looking at life. Then God called him on the miracle tour. And for three years, 37 miracles recorded in Holy Scripture. Miracle from turning water into wine to healing blind Bartimaeus' eyes. The miracle of the woman with the issue of blood to the lepers that Jesus sent their way. All these 37 miracles had a purpose uh, to reveal to the world who the Son of God really was. That was the fourth experience. The next experience was what is known as, quote, the Holy Week. May I preach this? The Holy Week experience that dealt with the betrayal, crucifixion, and resurrection. Now, Jesus could have felt a little cheated. Lord, I, I, I walked the earth for 33 years. I've only ministered for three years. After three years of ministry, they're crucifying me. That's a lesson to be learned also. Amen. But he knew what his purpose was. He knew that his purpose was to promote the kingdom of God and issue it usher in salvation, the Holy Week experience, the betrayal, the crucifixion, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And then the seventh experience, the third New Testament experience is what we are calling today the Pentecost experience. Unlike anything they had ever been familiar with. I want you to go with me and note that in all six other experiences, God was with man. But this one 
was a little different. <laughs> ah, the seventh, the perfected fulfillment of numerical biblical revelation. God said, I am doing something different than what I've done before. I'm here to tell you that the Pentecost experience is not just something for us to have a historical knowledge of, but we should all experience it in our individual lives. Am I right about it? Please look at somebody and say, we need it in our life. Yeah, yeah. You need to learn more than just learn about it and read about it, but it should be in your life if you're going to make it. Yes, we all need to personally experience the power of Pentecost. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Please tell your seat mate that you need it in your life. I don't care how great you are, what a great orator, your ability to articulate or assimilate or, 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 or move through life. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Note what I did not say. I want to call this to your attention. Note, I did not say, hear this very carefully, understand what I'm saying. I did not say that we all need to call ourselves Pentecostals. Go with me now. Because see, we have become so caught up uh, in, 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 in the hierarchy, organizational uh, structure of things that we forget the significance of what it means. Pentecost is not a group. Pentecost is not an organization. And yes, it is not a denomination. Ooh, it is not a style of worship. Pentecost is not when you jump and shout. Pentecost is not tambourines and drums and a lead guitar. Pentecost is not dance, dance, dance all night. We dance because of Pentecost. We don't dance because we are Pentecostals. Good God Almighty, I need to preach to somebody. And so God said, Tower, your assignment on this 2018th uh, day of Pentecost in this year 2018 is to let the house know that Pentecost is a life-changing experience. That's what it is. Anybody know you need it? Bill sang the song, I need it, I need it every hour. Lord, I need it. Listen, as we explore the text and examine what the real Pentecost experience is so that we would be able to better appreciate the significance and of this experience. It is very important in this assignment that God says we understand the history of the Jewish feast of Pentecost. Why is that? Because you've got to understand what it originally meant. And you can see what God is up to. The Jewish Feast of Pentecost was a glorious day of celebration. Go with me. That occurred 50 days. Somebody shout 50. Somebody shout 50 again. 
We're going to give you an opportunity to demonstrate that at the end of the service. 50 days after the Passover. You know the Passover. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Jewish religious communities celebrated the Passover. And then 50 days after the Passover was the Feast of Pentecost. It was uh, the beginning of harvest season. And the feast was to come together to praise God and to thank God for what they hoped would be a successful and blessed harvest season. It was also known as the day of first fruit. In other words, as your first harvest comes, you bring that to the altar and thank God for what he has done. This was their custom. And expect God to do even more. There was another name for the Feast of Pentecost. It was also known in the book of Leviticus as the Feast of Harvest. The beginning of a new season. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody. Look at somebody and say, God is about to do a new thing in your life. The Feast of Pentecost was the beginning of chip new grain. First fruit. Fresh harvest. Something God's doing this year that did not happen last year. Uh, the harvest of 2017 is over, but they were looking forward to what God was about to do. And it took a little faith to celebrate Pentecost because although the crop was in the field, it wasn't yet in the barn. And anything could happen. Uh, anything could happen. A locust attack could come and destroy the whole field. But Pentecost was when you went to God in celebration and say, I thank you for the seed that was in the ground. Thank you for the crop that has come up. And now we can see what is on the vine. But before we pick anything, before we harvest anything, we've got to first take the time to give credit where credit is due. And so thus they write these words. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. If it had not been for the Lord on our side, how many of you know the only reason you've got a harvest is because God's been good to you? The only reason there's anything in your field to harvest is because God has been good to you. And so in our text, Acts chapter 2, I'm going somewhere. We witness God taking a Jewish religious celebration and ushering in something to mankind that they had not ever seen before. The seventh experience. God says, I am going to use the feast of Pentecost uh, to bring you something, to bring you a harvest unlike anything you have ever experienced. And so we get to this special kind of harvest, this indwelling of something that have never lived inside of man before. It has always been around man and with man, but for the first time, God's going to give you something in you 
that's greater than anything that's around you. Can I get a witness? May I preach this? This phenomenal experience occurred 50 days after the resurrection. I want you to see the parallel significance of the Old Testament Feast of Pentecost. It happened 50 days after the Passover. And God said, I have chosen 50 days after the resurrection to bring you a crop that you've never seen before. To bring you a blessing that you've never experienced before. This is greater than olives on your vineyards. This is greater than the grapes that are out there. This is greater than the wheat and the barley that's in your field. But God says, I'm going to do something that humanity has never, ever experienced before. But I've got to get your heart right before you can receive what I'm going to do. Because what I'm going to do cannot operate in an evil heart cannot operate in a divided heart. There cannot be egotistical maniacs uh, in this room. So go to Jerusalem and for 10 days you stay there. Not that I need 10 days to work on the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is already there. I need 10 days to work on you. May I preach this? God says, shut yourself up in an upper room. 120 men and women. For all of my folk that think that God can only use and bless one gender of humanity. The devil is a liar. There has always been a Mary Magdalene. And so they shut themselves up in a room. And God began to deal with them. And all of the petty differences and the selfish divisions and all of the backstabbing that folk like James and John tried to do to Peter and the others by backdooring them coming to Jesus on the down low and says when you get in your kingdom remember us and don't worry about anybody else God said I, I can't send this special kind of harvest in a heart like that uh, you've got to get your heart right because this, this, this harvest got to live in you and I don't live among junk Can I preach to somebody? That's why the old church used to make folk tarry. Because what their theory was, was that we've got to clean out what's in you. But I'm here to tell you the only reason you tarry is because it takes you that long. It doesn't take God that long. God can feel you at the altar in one minute, in ten seconds. If your heart's red, I went to the meeting one night, but my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold. May I preach? Should I preach? I got to preach this. So the Pentecost experience is dealing with your selfish, evil heart. Pentecost experience is dealing with you getting mad when somebody's sitting in your seat at church. Just for the record, you ain't got no seat. Everything belongs to God. Pentecost experience is dealing with you praising God on Sunday than treating people like dirt on Monday. I don't care what your denomination is. 
call yourself apostolic Pentecostal filled with the Holy Ghost, but if you don't act like it, you don't have it. You've got a ghost, but it ain't the Holy Ghost. It may be Casper, it may be Bewitch, it may be the, something else. Whatever you got, it ain't holy. Y'all ain't gonna like me after this. Pentecost is getting your heart right. Pentecost is, 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 is don't mind who read the scripture. Don't mind who's in charge. I don't have to be chairman of the deacon board in order to be a good deacon. I don't have to be chairman of the usher board in order to be a good usher. I just want to do what God wants me to do. It's getting your heart right. Not sitting up in church with attitudes and mad at folk. Life is too short to be mad at anybody. I went to the meeting one night and my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold. Do it, Lord. Throw your hands up and say, do it, Lord. Pentecost experience is the fulfillment of the promises of God. In John chapters 14, 15, and 16, and I will send you a comforter, and I will send you a helper, and I will send you a guide that will lead and guide you into all truth. Pentecost experience is what he told Peter in Matthew 16 and 19. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Pentecost is the ability to bind those demons in your life that tells you to fight when you ought to be still, that tell you to cuss when you ought to praise God, that tell you to get angry when you ought to have joy. Pentecost is having something in you. Anyone can dance. Woo! Michael Jackson had the moonwalk. MC Hammer had can't touch this. I don't know what John Legend or Jay-Z had, but everybody got a song and a dance. But the Holy Ghost is greater than a dance because if you don't ever dance, it'll make you live right. It'll make you treat folk right. It'll make you praise God from the inside out. It'll make you love your enemies. Won't it do it? Won't it do it? Pentecost is what Dr. King said in 1957. And the great Episcopal bishop did the homily at the wedding said yesterday. Pentecost is the power of redemptive love. Pentecost make you love folk the world hate. Make you love your enemy. Make you love folk that hate you. Make you put your arms around folk that are trying to destroy you. 
Why do you do it? Because something in the inside of me. Let me tell you something. The day of Pentecost represented something unique and powerful. And too often, we become obsessed with what happened on Pentecost. And we fail to recognize the significance of why it happened. What happened was the sound. What happened, the tongues. What happened, the fire. That's fine. But what was not the purpose? Why is the purpose? It came so that you can live a godly life. God used the theatrical uh, utterances and the things that happened on the day of Pentecost to initiate something new. He didn't want you to build a religion around it. It was to initiate the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But because I've known folk to speak in whatever tongues they call it, but with nothing but demons in their life. And so don't trust what you hear. Verify what you see them do. Because demons can fool you with how they talk. Whew. But the true sign of the Holy Spirit is when you live right. And when you treat people right. And when you love folk and you're not judgmental. And I, the Holy Ghost didn't come to send people to hell. The Holy Ghost came to point them the way to heaven. They say, this is how you get to heaven. And so listen. Everyone in the house was filled. Can I say that again? Everyone in the house was filled. Let me say that again. Because if your atmosphere in your house isn't right, you've got people in your house that ought to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now you can do whatever you want to do in the street, but mom and daddy used to tell me, in our house, Only certain things are going to be tolerated. You can say whatever you want in the street and play whatever music you want in the street and do whatever you want. But in our house, the atmosphere in the house has to be right. And when the atmosphere is right, God will come in. And so it's not how it happened. It's why it happened. I don't care if you don't ever get the house because I just throw this out. It's very ironic to me as a student of biblical history that we can take a couple things that happen and the others we deem historical. Figure it out in the parking lot. Why you don't wait on the wind to blow before you deem somebody saved? Because the enemy fools us and convince us to chase the what and not the why. Ooh. What is more importantly is why it came. 
and what it did. It changed their lives. If you don't believe it, look no further than Peter. The cusser, the swearer, the fighter, the chopping off folks' ear. But when Pentecost happened, Peter became a different Peter. Ooh. Peter went downstairs and said, this same Jesus whom you crucified is now Lord in Christ. When Pentecost happens in your life, you are a new creature. Amen. You don't lie like you used to. You don't cheat like you used to. Nobody is perfect, but you've got to have it living in you. So when that spirit of rebellion rises up in you, something in you will shut it down. It's called Pentecost. And so here, this last point, we put it on the board. The real Pentecost experience. We put it so you can see it. The real Pentecost experience. Stand to your feet all over this place. I told you I needed you to hear this this morning. Catch someone by the hand. Hear the words. Look at someone and say, the real Pentecost experience is when we invite the Holy Spirit to live in us and to lead and guide us as we attempt to live a truthful and a godly life. And that's Pentecost. <laughs> Look at someone as you remain standing and say, what's living in you? Because, see, God doesn't enter competition with the enemy. Either the spirit of evil or the spirit of righteousness. Either the Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. But God doesn't share his space with the devil. Ooh. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, which we celebrate, the glorious special harvest. A harvest unlike anything you've ever seen before. A blessing that lives in you, that empowers you to do right. Lord, I want to do better. How can I love those demons on my job? The Pentecost experience. How can I smile when I'm broke and sick and about to lose everything? Pentecost experience. Ooh. How can I praise you in the midst of adversity? Pentecost experience because something lives in us and when you shout and when you dance and when you speak in tongues that is not Pentecost it is because it lives in you Ooh. And so perhaps every church ought to pray that folk invite the Holy Spirit into their lives. I realized something in my own testimony and own family and raising our own kids. There have been times in which I thought I could preach folks straight. There were times in my ministry which my youngest son who's a minister now would come to church and be in the back and I knew where he was the night before and something said you preach hard and your preaching is going to save them. God says, no, that's not how it works. 
what saves him is what he invites in his life. Who he invites in his life. What delivers you is who you invite in your life. When you invite the Holy Spirit in your life, you are better than what you've ever been before. Lift those hands all over this place. Open your mouth and say, endow me, Lord. Say, fill me, Lord, with the power of the Holy Ghost. Say, I need it, Lord. Oh, come on, I need it, Lord. This is a real moment now, and God told me to preach this message this way, and God told me to end it this way, because I need to know in full transparency how many of you out there ready for something different in your life. Whew. Something where the demons don't control you, but you control them. Something where devils on your job don't control what kind of day you have, but something inside of you. If you want that in your life, wherever you are right now, leave your seat and walk down these aisles and come and stand at this altar. I'm inviting you to have Come on and endow me. With the power. Somebody needs it right now. You can't ever conquer those demons. If you want to conquer the demons in your life, you need to be at this altar on this day right now. I don't care what folk think about you. This is about what God wants to do in your life. With the power. Come on, Zion. the cameras Lord, to be on the audience. Come on. Put it on the altar. On the altar. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Endow me. Endow me. Let the altar fill me, right. yeah. fill me up, Lord. Give me the Holy Ghost. Everybody wave those hands. With the power. those hands in worship we, we need you the whole holy ghost the 
yeah, yeah, yeah. We need the power. We need the power of your spirit. Yeah. Anybody want it? Come on, lift those hands. Like the day of Pentecost. Come on and endow me, Lord. Endow me, Jesus. Put your hands right here on your hearts, right here. Come on, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Do it. Give me your spirit, Lord. Put your hands on your heart. Don't let the enemy fool you. Too often we've been praying for the theatrics. And we don't pray for the significance of the reason for it. Listen, if I don't ever hear you speak in tongue, that's not a problem. Because I don't ever see the wind and I've not seen fire sit on you. But here's what I do want to see. I want to see you live right. I want to see you treat folk right. I want to see you live a godly and a truthful life. And I know that the only way that can happen is that you've got to have something inside of you Ooh, that's greater than tongues, greater than fire, greater than wind. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit living in you. It makes you Put the bottle away. It helps you put the joint away. It helps you try to live a godly life one day at a time. Ooh. Testimony I gave you about my son. It wasn't until he invited something greater in his life than the demons he was wrestling with. And if you want God to transform your life, you've got to invite him inside you live with you don't judge me on how i look don't judge anybody on what they wear or how they look or what they're going through when the spirit comes in whew, spirit will change you from the inside out come on and tell them again with the power ooh. With the power again. Oh, with the power. Listen, I want to do this. Everybody put your hands down because I want this demonstration. Everyone in here today. If you're here and you're not sure that that spirit lives in you because there are times in which it seems like 
the other spirit conquers you more than the Holy Spirit. And you need the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you, to lead you, to make you treat your enemies right. I don't, I don't care how you dress when you come to church. I, it, it doesn't bother me all of the other things because I'm not here to judge you. Oh, I know that if the Spirit lives in you, it will guide you to do the right thing. Yeah. Amen. The reason you have stopped smoking dope is not because the preacher told you, but because the Holy Ghost told you. Ooh. Now listen, if you're here and you want that presence in your life, you're not sure it's there now. Everybody in here just close your eyes because this is not seeing anybody. You just raise your hands with the power. If you're here and you just want that presence in your life, you just raise your hands. Amen. Preachers, preachers, ministers, just, just, wave, your, just wave those hands. Just, I don't need you to have a prayer meeting with them. I just need a preacher and a minister just go lay your hands on them and say, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just wave, lift those hands. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you're in the balcony, wave those hands at me. Come on. If there's an ordained deacon or a minister upstairs, you just go meet him. Somebody, some preacher go upstairs and ministers and deacons and just lay your hands on him. God's gonna, God's gonna fill you with something greater than what's in you. at God. Look at God. All of these. Lord, I need you. I need you. I, I need something inside of me. I need something inside of me. Fill me with your spirit. Come on and tell him in down me. Now if you raise your hands, if somebody is standing next to you, you already have the Holy Spirit. Put your arms around them and tell them God loves you. Come on, welcome them. Just put your arms around them. Say, God's about to do something. God is about to do something in your life. God is about to do something. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get ready, get ready. God is about to do something. God is, God is about to do something great. Come on, Zion, yeah, yeah. Feel me again, Lord. Just before we pray, come on, Christian. Holy Ghost. God told me to pray for this young man. Listen. This is Brother Christian Guest, a phenomenal young man. His mom grew up in this church, grandfather. He's going away on a mission trip. He's a rising sophomore. Amen. He and his friends come every Sunday. This is an example that you can do right even when you're young, amen. Yeah. And I just want us to pray for him, amen. Antoine, anoint him, and we're gonna ask Pastor Antoine to anoint him, and amen. Whew. 
And everybody, point your hand this way. We want God's protection because God's about to do something phenomenal. This young man's only about 19 or so years old, and he's on a mission for Christ. Don't tell me that young people are not committed. Amen. Yes, this is an example of what God can do. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We anoint him. We rebuke every evil spirit, even in foreign countries. Lord, take the Holy Spirit in him and abide in him and be a very present help in the time of trouble. God, give him peace, God. Give him courage, yes, God. Lord. Give him Holy Ghost boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody, with the power. Close your eyes. Now listen to all of you who have lifted those hands and you prayed for the Holy Spirit, wherever you are, and you prayed for the Holy Spirit. I want you to take one of those cards in the aisle and just give us your name. We want to touch and agree with you. Amen. If, if you raise your hands in the balcony, in the audience, amen. Because God's going to do something phenomenal in your life. Let me tell you, if you invited him in, he's there. Don't let anybody tell you you've got to wait. In. If your heart's right and, and you invited him in, he's there in your life. Am I right, Mother Jackson? He's already there living inside of you. We want to celebrate what God yeah. is going to do. Yeah. Close those eyes, and if you're here and you want to join the church today, you can stand at this altar after this prayer, or you can take one of those cards and someone will call you. We want to invite you to be a part of this church and what God is doing, but make no mistake about it, Bible Way is not the kingdom. Uh, Bible Way is a part of the kingdom and what God is doing, but God is doing something greater than Bible Way. God is doing something greater than Pastor Jackson. I admit that I'm not nearly qualified uh, to do what God has called me to do, but by the help of God, God can use me, he can use you, he can use anybody. Amen. And so if you want to make that commitment today, we ask you to do it. After the prayer, if you just go and Stand at your seat and don't leave for just two minutes. I want to have a special prayer of harvest for those that I believe that this could be your winning season. Amen. I believe that. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We, we honor you this day. We thank you for this message. I've done what you've asked me to do. I've, I've preached it the way you've asked me to do it. I've said what you've asked me to say. Help us from this day forward not to be so caught up in the theatrics of what happened as opposed to the significance of why it happened. It happened to lead and to guide us into all truth. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you in advance for what the Holy Spirit will do in somebody's life Monday morning when they show up to work. We thank you in advance what the Holy Spirit will do when somebody goes home this evening. Got to face the demons they left there. Thank you, Lord. The change happened in them, not around them. We say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And those that know it is already done said amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say it's done. It's done. Ooh, come on, it's done.